0: Welcome everyone to the Daily with Sil Stein. Happy Wednesday here um, on Anchor. I hope everyone's having a great, great day. Now we left off as um, week nine and we're going to work on week 10 today. As I said, I'm going to check back next week for the uh, essay about organic food and try to read some examples, I hope, from others If not, I'm going to read the one I wrote and also talk about the writing prompt uh, that you may have worked on for sports, and we'll discuss that at the end of the show. But for today, we're going to start off uh, with uh, week 10 on the Writer's Devotional, 365 Inspirational Exercises, Ideas, Tips, and Motivations on Writing by author Amy Peters. For today, we start on Monday, Writers on Writing. This quote is taken by Flannery O'Connor. Everywhere I go, I'm asked if I think the university stifles writers. My opinion is that they don't stifle enough of them. There's many a bestseller that could have been prevented by a good teacher. So, here is what uh, Amy Peters writes on Flannery O'Connor. American author Flannery O'Connor was made of stern stuff. After a diagnosis of lupus at a young age, O'Connor knew she had to make every minute count, and she focused her time on honing her writing. Flannery O'Connor knew firsthand about university writing programs. She was accepted to the acclaimed University of Iowa's Writers' Workshop in 1945 and received her master of fine arts degree in 1947. While completing her degree, she also developed the beginning of her critically acclaimed novel, Wise Blood. O'Connor's quote about above can be read as tongue in cheek. After all her time at the University of Iowa writing program helped her pen her own acclaimed book, Wise Blood, although not a bestseller upon publication, It has sold tens of thousands of copies for six decades. In The Habit of Being, a compendium of more than 800 letters written by O'Connor during her lifetime, she offers words of wisdom to aspiring writers, including the crucial virtue of creating a writing habit. I'm a full-time believer in writing habits. You may be able to do without them if you have genius, but most of us only have talent and this is simply something. That has to be assisted all the time by physical and mental habits or it dries up and blows away. So this is, you know, so we learn about uh, what happened with Flannery O'Connor. She says, you know, the quote says, everywhere I go, I'm asked if I think the university stifles writers. My opinion is that they don't stifle enough of them. There's many a bestseller that could have been prevented by a good teacher. Then we find out Flannery O'Connor, you know, she had a diagnosis of lupus and she wanted you know to work on her writing to hone her writing and she started going to the university of iowa writers workshop and there she developed the her acclaimed book wise blood and although it wasn't a bestseller right away it did it now has sold six uh more than six uh thousands of copies for six decades now and then she also wrote another one in the habit of being and she, where she compiles writing, you know, and offers words of wisdom for writers and it's crucial. So it's, it's so this is a very important thing for writers and I hope that writers on writing in this book by Amy peters and her quotes especially reading this inspires you. If, if and I hope the, this was a good way to begin uh the Wednesday show and we'll be right back. And welcome back to the Daily with Silstein here on Anchor. Now, and happy Wednesday everyone. Welcome. Um, and as we left off a Monday, Writers on Writing, discussing the book by uh, author Amy Peters, the writer's devotional. Now we move on to Week 10 Tuesday Motivation. It says, this one inch picture frame on my desk reminds me that all I have to do is to write down as much as I can see through a one inch picture frame. This is all I have to bite off for the time being. This quote was, was taken by Anne Lamont. So, and this is author Anne Lamont, Anne Lamott, sorry. She says, just as putting one foot in front of the other results in walking, writing, even in small bits, adds up, often to complete stories or even novels, just remember, steady as she goes, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph, page by page. If You're struggling to put words on the page. Try Lamont's advice for a week or so. Write one carefully crafted sentence. A week's worth of sentences will provide you with a page of written work. When he was writing his masterwork, Ulysses, James Joyce sometimes spent a whole day creating one sentence. After 265,000 words, that's a lot of days sentences, in fact, it took Joyce seven years to write Ulysses. That works out to only 104 words per day. So this is actually interesting. So, you know, there's a lot of us that struggle with writing and what what story we're gonna work on. Those writers and and people that have already published work, you know, um, this is something to think about. You know, did you always craft a good sentence to make it better? How was it, uh, how did it work for you? You might want to take up Anne Lamotte's advice because, as you notice, they also give the example where James Joyce took about seven years to complete Ulysses. So his, his greatest, one of his greatest works. So, you know, you might want to take the time to practice on a good a work, a week worth worth of sentences that are well crafted. So maybe you should work on that for homework and we might check on that and we'll be right back. and welcome back to the daily here on anchor happy wednesday everyone and we left off we've done monday and tuesday of week 10 of author amy peters the writer's devotional now we're moving on to writing class week 10 wednesday it says describe the most memorable first day of school and she writes it could be your child's first day of kindergarten your brother's first day of high school or your own first day of college. Choose the first day and describe all of the events surrounding it. Describe the setting. What year was it? What was the weather like? Show the emotion of the day through examples of people's behaviors and actions. If it is your child's first day of kindergarten, how did she feel as you walked her to the bus or to the school's doors? What were you feeling? If you're describing your first day, what emotions did you feel? So this is really interesting. Um, This is another writing prompt or writing class we can work on. We have one where we're doing an essay, a persuasive essay. Now this one says, describe the most memorable first day of school for writing class Wednesday. So we'll check back on that next Wednesday and hopefully Monday on the persuasive essay. And I hope you'll, you know, really, really dig deep and write about either your child, which is very emotional for us that are parents and um, or yourself, your own school experience or someone you know that you uh, just entered school and what were their their feelings. But it, it'd be good if you use maybe an, uh remember a memory from one of your children or from one of your nieces or nephews or a friend's child or your own. You know, go dig deep on it and and try to see uh, if you can, you know, uh, describe it. You know, maybe use the census to describe the first day and how your child felt or yourself. So hopefully you'll be able to work on that for writing class. And we'll hopefully get people to call in the show. If not, email me at sillwriter07 at gmail.com or you can call in and share your essay with us here on Anchor on The Daily with Syl Stein. Thank you, and we'll be right back. <coughs> and welcome back to The Daily here on Anchor. I am Sylvia Stein, and this is The Daily with Syl Stein. And now we're on moving on to Thursday editing using the book by author Amy Peters, the writer's devotional, 365 inspirational exercises, ideas, tips and motivations on writing. Here it says, it reads a quote by the Chicago Manual of Style. Ellipsis points suggest faltering or fragmented speech accompanied by confusion, insecurity, distress, or uncertainty, and they should be reserved for that purpose. So here it says, make sure that your punctuation is not the most memorable part of your work. This can occur if you're overdoing it with some form that's not often used, like ellipses. Nothing says purple prose more than a piece of writing covered with ellipses. But if you use them as instructed here and use them sparingly in your work, they can be quite effective. So this is what what they say of it, using the Chicago Manual style. When I see ellipses, they immediately bring to mind the music that's played before the big reveal in a murder mystery. From the directions above, it's clearly not the way they were intended to be used. Focus here on the directive that points out confusion or distress. If your story has these elements, by all means incorporate this technique, but if not, stop worrying about it and take them out. In general, I find that there are most more effective in the middle of a sentence than when they are left dangling at the end. However, they work nicely in dialogue when one speaker interrupts another. So this is the example they give for Thursday editing of week 10 using the book by author Amy Peters, the writer's devotional. Now, in addition to this Thursday on editing, I wanna remind everyone that this month of February, I am gonna work very hard to get editors to come and discuss the uh, uh, edit, uh, Editors on Editing special show. I'm going to divide, I probably have individual shows for everyone, but I'm going to ask the Coffeehouse writers, uh, shout out to them, and the amazing editors we have there. I hope to have them here uh, individually to speak about the, the process of editing. I, I, I did incorporate some questions that I asked them. And those are the questions that I'm going to focus on for the purpose of the show. However, I'm also going to ask them additional if they want to add anything additional to help those that are tuning in or listening to the show. So uh, just know that that's going to happen hopefully this month, February. Also, I have other editors that I have asked to come to the show shout out to my editor who uh worked on me with uh, the re-editing of Chasing Clarity I want to send a big shout out to her and it's uh Kim Huther um I wanted to let her know that I'm really grateful for her re-editing my book of Chasing Clarity I love the way it came out she's a fantastic editor um she is in Wordsmith uh proofreading services. So make sure to check her out on Facebook, Kim Huther. And she has uh, Wordsmith proofreading services. I hope you will check those out. And also, um, I also asked uh, Sandra Ellie or Eli, uh, who is a great proofreader, also editor. I hope to have her here to speak about her editing skills. I've also asked some of the Stitch Mile publications um, uh, editors, like, uh, my, my, the main person that I work with when I was an intern there at Stitch Mouth Publications, uh, Donnell Whiting, I've asked her to come to the show. I hope to schedule her soon. I, I hope to have, uh, another author and editor, James Matthew Byers, shout out to him. Uh, hopefully Jeff Brown, who's been an author and also an editor. Um, and maybe CEO also, Lisa Vasquez, who can share some of her tips or other people that have interned for editing on uh, Stitch Mile Publications. But those are the editors that I have in mind to ask to come to the show. I also know an author uh, who used to also be an editor for Coffee House Writers. She's a fantastic author herself, Carissa uh, Lahi. I've also asked her to come to the show, and I hope she will, and Mark Anthony Rossi. And we'll be right back to share more on this segment. And welcome back to The Daily with Silstein. Now we're off to Friday biography. I will reiterate what I said in the Thursday editing show at the end of the show. um, But we're trying to move on to the next segment here using the book by author Amy Peters, the Writer's Devotional 365 Inspirational Exercises, Ideas, Tips and Motivations on Writing. And now we go into a quote by Franz Kafka. Um, a book must be the axe for the frozen sea inside of us, he says. German language novelist Franz Kafka, 1883 to 1924, is known for his uncanny ability to make the reader completely uncomfortable and feel almost hopeless, but yet still wanting to turn the page. His life in Bohemia, now the Czech Republic, was filled with a similar hopelessness, beginning with his relationship with his father. Hermann Kafka, a major influence on Kafka's work, was a dominant, imposing businessman who overshadowed Franz's childhood years. Their conflicted relationship was a theme that revealed itself in some of Kafka's best-known works, including his story The Verdict, in which a rigid and dictatorial father confined to a bed passes judgment on his sensitive and assiduous son. Kafka never earned an income as a writer. Instead, he worked for insurance companies. His profession shaped the formal cold language of his writings, which avoided sentimental interpreta- interpretation sorry, because of his Jewish heritage. Kafka, Kapha- felt isolated and oppressed living among the Germans in Bohemia. He had difficulties getting his work published and he suffered both physically, tuberculosis and mentally depression and chronic insomnia. He was com- comforted by his girlfriend Dora Diamond who was forbidden to marry Kafka because of his lax religious upbringing. His university friend Max Brode became his editor, biographer, and literary agent. And Brode saw, it, saw to it that Kafka's unpublished works were later published posthumously. So sadly for Kafka, he didn't get to see his work published until after he passed away. And it was unfortunate. But here they're sharing his biography. A book must be the axe for the frozen inside of us. He wrote a lot about his own life and hardships, and this is what uh, we're sharing on week 10 of Friday Biography. If you have not checked out his work of Franz Kafka, take the time to do that. And here we're going to move on to Saturday Books to Read. 1776 by David McCullough, and this is a quote by Bob Minseheimer. 1776 treats war as theater. The outcome is known, but the story is so gripping that it's easy to turn the pages as if the fates of nations were still at stake. So here they're talking about the book by David McCullough, 1776, and this is what it says. In writing the best-selling 1776, Pulitzer Prize-winning author David McCullough took a new tack on history. Rather than create a sweeping view of the Revolutionary War, the type of panoramic vista he had employed in his previous books, such as Truman and John Adams. He chose to focus on a single year to showcase the events precipitating one of the nation's most pivotal moments. In fewer than 300 pages, he captures the zeitgeist that surrounded America and its war for independence. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily here on Anchor. This is The Daily with Silstein here, here on Anchor. And I, am, and I was reading Saturday Books to Read using the book by author Amy Peters, the Writer's Devotional, 365 Inspirational Exercises, Ideas, Tips, and Motivations on Writing. And it was talking about author David McCullough. It says, In 1776, McCullough also presented the points of view of both the American and English leaders. He opens with King George III speaking to the British Parliament, pa- passionately arguing that England should wage war against the Americans he viewed as traitors. McCulloch shows that many members of Parliament were strongly opposed to war. George Washington is also portrayed as a flawed and sometimes fragile leader. As McCulloch writes, Washington is often a demoralized man, lacking confidence in his abilities to rally the sad sack ragtag ragtag troops enlisted to him although there have been thousands of writings about the Revolutionary War McCullough brought this epic period to new life by presenting it in a new innovative way so this is what it says about Saturday's book to read and finally in this week is week 10 Sunday writing prompt we already have one that we need to go over in regards to sports and this one says my favorite music group okay not all of us will ever be lucky enough to hang out with our favorite music group danny sugarman was author okay music group danny sugarman was author jerry hopkins was trying to write a biography of jim morrison the lead singer for the doors to no avail then he met Sugarman, a teenage admirer of the Doors, who parlayed his affection into an office job with Morrison. When Hopkins met Sugarman years later, together they created the classic, No One Here Gets Out Alive. First, see if you can narrow down which of your musical interests you, you're most influenced by, or who do you think most influences the culture past or present. Then determine how you would do the research to really get the inside scoop about the band and combine that with your personal thoughts and feelings about the musicians involved and their music. I think this is a great one to do. Another uh, way to look at it, and, and I know this is totally off top pop, topic, sorry, got i stumbling words, topic is um, watching the movie by, I believe it's Cameron Crowe. Uh, it's called Almost Famous. It it talks about you know that you know what the what he wrote you know his experiences with the with that band and you know and uh, if if you're you want to do research you might want to check out you know the different groups like the Doors Jim Morrison I think there's movies on that you could also or write your own in your own way what you what type of people influence you in the culture for me it's like. The classics, the olds. uh, I like all kinds of music, don't get me wrong, but my favorites are, um, ex- you know, looking back at the, uh, the singers of old days, um, Judy Garland is one of them, uh, Nat King Cole, um, uh, I like, I like, uh, all the old classic, you know, singers, um, there's also, of course, Barbara Streisand, who, you know, uh, since her funny girl days, and, uh. Of course, um, she also has "Rain," Don't Rain on My Parade. She has uh, Get Happy. She also did that duet, uh, Happy Days Are Here Again, with uh, Judy Garland. Different types of the old Doris Day, all these kind of classic singers, but I have all kinds. Everybody has different, so pick one that you like. Uh, in this ca- case, it's a musical group, so choose a group or a singer and write about it and hopefully you'll get uh, you'll be able to work on something and we'll be right back and we're back here on on anchor for the daily with silstein using the book by amy author amy peters the writer's devotional 365 inspirational exercises ideas tips and motivations on writing you don't have a copy of this book i suggest you get it because it divides uh, the book into weeks and it shares Different stuff on writing, authors, editing, and writing prompts, and motivation, and different things that will help you hone your skills uh, for aspiring writers, or if you're already a writer yourself, or a published author, you know, it helps all kinds of writing, and it helps you, uh, uh, your creative juices uh, flowing. Now we're left, um, we're going to share writing prompts. Sports are important. This was for week 9. Comparing sports to any aspect of life is overused, but only because it is often so true. Sports are a micro, co, uh, microcosm of what happens in the real world, the failures and triumphs of everyday life. And many believe that sports are important in terms of growth and development, on both the personal as well as the community level. This aspect was clearly portrayed in the book Friday Night Lights by H.G. G. Bissinger, which was later used as the basis for the hit television series. Bissinger recorded how one Texas high school football team had a transformative effect over everyone involved from the players to the spectators. Now take on this topic if you have a strong opinion about sports, delve into the deeper issues of your favorite pastime and see if what you write holds up to the standards set by the excellent nonfiction book. Now, for me, you know, when I think of sports, um, for me, sports was a big thing because we always watch football um, and uh, it is it's always been a very big issue to enjoy with family competitive competitiveness. But if I had to compare it with the Friday Night Lights, I would talk about maybe the high school uh, when uh, my brother played and other people we knew back home. In Texas played Um, the experience was it it, it did spread around in our high school the football players were popular but however so was the school that I attended Um, everyone was close together Uh, our best thing was hanging out um, and and kind of reminiscing about the experiences about you know enjoying your youth and one thing I can compare it to this the football what why it was important for us as as it was in the book is um because it was a community of people uniting and the way i look at friday night lights especially with coach taylor um he was a big influence on his players not just as a coach but as a father as a person who tried to motivate his team to do the right thing care about his players even on and off the field and and them caring for each other so for me if i had to write something i would say you know um the way i see football uh from bisinger's portrayal in his book friday night lights to football in my own life is that it was a community coming together um not just about the game but about players caring for one another and having a camaraderie without having to be a bully or, or put anyone down it was about winning but it was even the losses you know people had to kind of stand with them when they lost and when they won so that's something I would like to share on that and if you have a better take on the on this writing prompt please feel free to contact me here on the show uh if you read the book by Bissinger or you want to share your own experience or email at sillwriters07 at gmail.com, and you can attention it to The Daily with silstein if you want to. And we'll be right back with the wrap-up. Thank you. And now we're back to do the wrap-up of The Daily with silstein Stein here on Anchor, discussing the book by Amy Peters, The Writer's Devotional. And we're on week 10, and we left off with the writing prompt for week 10 which was my favorite music group I hope you'll work on that also don't forget to work on the um, essay on week 9 for the persuasive essay on organic food why is it good for you why is it not good for you just try to share uh, your own experience with that if you can I'll try to work on that for Monday's show hopefully and you can still send in Your um, call in or share so I can share your essay on on the show for next week, or you could email me at stillwriter07 at gmail.com. Now, as far as the um, editors on editing show, as I said, that's going to happen hopefully in February. We have a lot of fantastic people coming on, hopefully. We'll get all the coffee house writers on different days. Uh, The the other, my editor, uh, Sandra Ellie, proofreader, editor. uh, Kim Huther, who was the the editor who just uh, redid Chasing Clarity on Wordsmith Proofreading Services. Shout out to her. And Mark Anthony Rossi, another author. And the Stitch Mile publication uh, uh, editors. And uh, hopefully I can get that going this month of of February. But I really hope you enjoyed the show of the Daily with here on Anchor with Silstein. I hope you will listen to the shows, check uh check them all out and uh give us your take on it as well. And I hope to do another show on Monday. I hope you enjoyed uh what we discussed today. If you have any questions, you want to call in, please share your feedback here on the show with the Daily with Silstein. As always, it's been a pleasure. Happy Wednesday. Thank you all for supporting The Daily with Silstein. I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day. And uh, happy Wednesday again. And this was The Daily with Silstein here on Anchor. And be sure to purchase this book by author Amy Peters. You will not regret it. It is very helpful to your writing. But I also wanted to add something. Yesterday while I was on Twitter, I was so moved by uh, seeing J.K. R- or Roland, uh answer questions on writing. And she took the time to answer a few questions. But what I appreciated more was when I heard that her process, you know, they were asking her if she's Scrivener or different types of writing, uh, you know, uh, outlines to help her prepare for writing. And she shared that it was pen, paper, and Microsoft Word, and I was ecstatic because those are the things that I do. I always write everything on paper and pens or composition books, and then I, I put it all on Microsoft Word. Not that there's anything wrong with doing it differently, but I had a fangirl moment with the author, you know, I didn't, she didn't answer that question for me, but you know, just to read it and for her to take the time to give advice on writing, I thought that was amazing. So I thought I would share that near the end of the wrap up. But anyway, happy Wednesday and uh, keep on writing. And uh, I hope you enjoyed The Daily with Silstein. You all have a wonderful day. Bye bye.